1: Welcome to More Than Amuse podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts hosted by Stani and Sadie.
2: Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to More Than Amuse, More Than Amuse Mystery Month, Murder Mystery Month. My name is Sadie.
2: I'm Stani. I know this episode is coming at you all a little bit late. Mm-hmm. but we're so happy you're here and excited for this episode even though this one should we say is like the most horrific
1: <laughs> yeah i think that's why it was hard to sit down and do the research because it was just like do i want to read about a horrible man
2: who mistreated women
1: Not, no no i don't
2: yeah so. i've noticed a pattern that whenever there's like topics we're excited about the research goes really easily mm-hmm. and whenever there's topics that we've want to talk about but it's not as fun for us yeah, not as fun at all. it's definitely like a slower process yes <laughs> <laughs> and this is definitely one of those like i'm glad we chose the topic glad we're talking about it mm-hmm. not glad that this happened <laughs> mm-hmm. <Exactly. laughs> definitely would have been better if it never would have but yeah meant to give it
1: away then so today we're talking about Alfred hitchcock and i guess more specifically the women behind hitchcock Mm-hmm. And also a little bit about the man and the unfortunate dark side that is behind yeah. one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, or I guess what is known as one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. And and also a trigger warning just from the beginning. Yeah. That, um, it seems like it's like Harvey Weinstein or Weinstein. Yes. The allegations and just how everything, unfortunately, like there's no, it's a dark Man's world in Hollywood. Yeah. And this episode, we'll all be discussing that. I was telling Stani right before we started recording that I don't necessarily want it to be like, and this is how he assaulted her, and this is how he assaulted her. So I'm not going to go in like each gruesome detail of every single interaction he had with women, but like trigger warning that we'll be discussing some of the things that happened and yeah. going over some of the allegations. And so if that is triggering to you, that's totally fair. And totally I'll put fair. a. I'll put a disclaimer before I say anything specific about anything like that. So
2: We've been doing a lot more of these like the women behind episodes and it's not just like create a hate campaign towards these famous men. It's just a great awareness for a lot of the women that were suppressed or overlooked because of the famous men that generally stood next to them. It originally was just to be like an awareness thing and it turned into the fact that a lot of these women were so suppressed because of the abuse and like sexism that happened by the famous men. And honestly, it's shocking every time we find it. Like, it's Mm -hmm. never something that we go into it being like, oh, I heard Hitchcock was a horrible man to all of his actresses. We should talk about him. It's like, oh, there's so many women around Hitchcock. Like, we should Mm -hmm. talk about that. And then we find out that he totally sucks. So...
1: So true. Yeah,
2: it seems to be a repeating pattern that we're finding that when there's a lot of women that are being obscured by a more famous man, it's generally he's abusive and
1: yeah, it's unfortunately a reason. Yeah, that's so true. And uh, another episode in this format that we did was the women behind Elvis. Yes. So that's another episode you can check out, um, and it's I guess on theme because next month there is a movie coming out called Priscilla, and I can't wait to watch that movie, and I will definitely be doing a recap of how i feel about that when it comes yes. out but just had to bring that up though that's another episode we've done and also that movie's coming out so soon i yeah. cannot wait
2: <laughs> and if you have any warm fuzzy feelings about elvis they will be dashed yeah. by that episode yeah so i'm fair sorry
1: but, yeah. yeah, same thing with, uh alfred hitchcock
2: yeah definitely hopefully no one has like warm fuzzy feelings about alfred hitchcock maybe <laughs> i don't think that's he... true
1: Less likely. Or maybe just like the unawareness. Like I didn't know that there was all these allegations behind him. We talked about one of the kind of women behind Hitchcock when we talked about Grace Kelly. And we mentioned that and talked all about it. And I had no idea until now the research for this episode. No idea at all. No idea.
2: Well, should we introduce Hitchcock before we dive into everything else? Let's do it. So
1: first off, there is a book that goes right along with this episode that we're doing today. It was published more recently. So, like recently enough that it was like almost a couple weeks ago that this book came like, It was. Yeah, time. I think
2: Hitchcock and his Blondes.
1: Yeah, Hitchcock's yeah. Blondes. Mm-hmm. It came out
2: 2 weeks ago. Yeah, literally 2 weeks ago. Yeah. Wow. So,
1: very timely with um, our episode that we then discovered the existence of this book. But yeah, it's called Hitchcock's Blondes by Lawrence lemur and the subtitle is the Unforgettable Women Behind the Legendary Director's Dark Obsession. So, I just wanted to shout out that book. We'll be doing a deep dive, but we won't be going in as fully as, of course, a book can. So yeah. if you want to learn more about the women that we're discussing and the connections to the director, I would definitely recommend that book. Obviously, we haven't read it because that book has only been out for like a week or two and we weren't able to read it in preparation for the episode. But check it out. So let's talk about Hitchcock. First, I want to talk about this thing called the a- auteur theory, I think. I'm oh. assuming it's French, so yeah, probably. Very true. Sure, Aute- actually. Auteur. Auteur theory? Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but it's a theory of filmmaking where basically that it's the director is viewed as the major creative force in a motion picture. And it holds that the director, who oversees all audio, visual elements of the motion picture, is more to be considered the author of the movie than the writer which of the screenplay. In other words, it's basically like that the visual elements as like, camera placement blocking lighting and scene length rather than plot line convey the message of the film so that's that, that was an
2: interesting thing yeah. to think about where it's like yeah. kind of put them parallel to one another i don't know yeah. i always thought of it more as a partnership mm-hmm. so it's very interesting to think about the idea that they view the the director as more of the... yeah like the artist yeah of the film.
1: i agree i think that that's something that i've i just as i've gotten older i've started to watch more of the artsy movies where it's like all about who the director is you know that now I can see oh the director actually matters but I feel like when I was younger and growing up I was like what does director even mean who cares it's just about what the movie is you know now that it's like I've seen just more movies and tried to watch more highbrow movies I'm like oh actually like camera angle lighting like those things do matter and those things are all decided by the director." True. But, no, and they I all agree. have very
2: distinct styles. Like you think of yes. Wes Anderson, you can mm-hmm. pick up. It's a Wes Anderson film from a mile away. So, yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. So yeah, that is a theory that has been, I don't know if everyone necessarily agrees with it because supporters of the theory further contend that the most cinematically successful films will bear the unmistakable personal stamp of the director. Hmm. So it's essentially just the, the argument of if it's the best movies are the ones where you can tell that person directed it and i guess that makes sense where it's like you can really see the artfulness of the movie and the thoughtfulness behind it that like you know it, maybe it would make it a better be in, in some regards for sure yeah.
2: that's interesting it's such a case for such like film bro movie I really totally. think of quentin tarantino or mm-hmm. you know even how alfred hitchcock himself that it's like they have, like, a genre film that belongs to them. Yeah. But it's a weird because then it's, like, there are some movies that are so beloved and you have no idea who the director is. Who directed
1: them. Yeah, or they're not necessarily as much of a household name director. Yeah.
2: I don't know. That's kind of interesting thought. I wonder what film people, like, think of that idea. I know. That's what I thought, too.
1: And the reason why I felt the need to define that is because so many articles that I was finding were, like, referring to him as, like, the auteur or, like, really just pointing out the fact that he did have such a distinct style obviously the fact that even Hitchcock blondes have become such a thing like yeah it's very very distinct the movies that he would make and the women behind them the stories that he would tell and, and you know what I, we're going to talk about all the ways we hate him but like he did do incredible things for yeah. movies and on the movies he did True. and for like horror not horror films but yeah I guess horror films thrillers mysteries all those things But to, I guess, then summarize it. So, the master of suspense, I love this quote, Alfred Hitchcock's cinematic legacy is unparalleled. Over the course of his illustrious career that spanned more than 60 years, he made over 50 feature films, with many of those, including North by Northwest, Vertigo, and Psycho, are now considered an indispensable part of filmmaking history. His time in the industry didn't come without its own controversies, however, and was tarnished by several questionable decisions and archaic attitudes, and I'll go into some of them later. Real quick, have you ever seen a Hitchcock movie? Or which ones yeah. have you seen? Mm-hmm. I've seen Rear
2: Window. Yes. That's
1: the one I've seen too. It's so beautiful. I've seen
2: a couple. I think when we covered Grace Kelly in our mm-hmm. episode that we did, which, by the way, if anyone wants to check out that episode, I know you already mentioned it, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a good one. Charlottes. Yeah. Yeah. But... When we covered her, I ended up watching a couple of Grace Kelly movies because she was the only one I hadn't seen movies for when we did mm-hmm. that episode. And I think they were both. Hitchcock films Hitchcock so it was Rear films. Window and To Chase a Thief which by the way they were both really good yeah I will say like when I watched those, I think I watched
1: them too around the same time that we did that episode for the same reason but I was surprised just like watching Rear Window like genuinely how scared i was yeah you know because i think sometimes now with the horror films like i'm like oh well, if i'm not seeing a creepy like horror face and the special effects aren't right is it really gonna live up to i don't know is it gonna actually be suspenseful but i was on the edge of my seat like watching that movie so it, he's very he's a very effective filmmaker yes definitely.
2: So, i will say if you want a really subtle one to catch a thief has some suspense but it's more of a romance mm-hmm,
1: so to know.
2: yeah if you're looking for a little bit of some spookiness like not yeah. really that one's a good one
1: that is interesting another thing so the hitchcockian style includes the use of editing camera movement to mimic a person's gaze thereby turning viewers into voyeurs and framing shots to just really maximize anxiety and fear there was a film credit named Robin Wood. He wrote that the meaning of a Hitchcock film is there in the method, in the progression from shot to shot. The Hitchcock film is an organism with the whole implied in every detail and every detail related to the whole. I'm going to talk about the movie The Birds, but, and the bad thing about yeah. that movie, The Birds, but I watched a YouTube video really analyzing the, um, oh wait, no, it wasn't The Birds, it was Psycho, which I think Psycho is one of the most, famous yeah I think his most famous yeah Bates Motel all of it the video pointed out the ways that like how the birds that are in the shots like the stuffed birds are like so for example whenever the woman is in the shot there's always like birds that are like the little like song birds that are the stuffed birds in the background but then when it's ever on the killer there is like the hawks the stuffed hawks that are Uh, in the background so there's really that small little attention to detail to like really just like fully tell the story and the youtube video like did a whole breakdown of a scene like showing about how he used birds in the movie psycho to really like tell the story and convey the characters which i was really intrigued by Um, and then coincidentally then it was the movie the birds that the one that was done right after that
2: so Right before you dive into that, just a few yes. more things about Hitchcock. I want to mention like his accolades before we get into the fact that he's a scumbag. Because, I was
1: just to say, I, was like, I feel yeah. weird singing his praises, but yeah. like, just to provide
2: but the context. I just want to show like how beloved he is by like film history, because I think mm-hmm. it's really important to realize that. So his career actually spanned six decades, and he directed over 50 feature films. Mm -hmm. Um, These are still, like, widely watched in studies. Like, if you take a film class, you'll probably watch a Hitchcock film at some point, Mm -hmm. if not multiple. He also is really well-known for doing cameo roles in his films, which Mm -hmm. I thought was funny. So I guess if you watch it, look out for him. He's probably in there somewhere. In total, he's had 46 Academy Award nominations for his films, Six wins, but he never won the award for best director, which makes me wow. feel like a little justified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before he started in film, he actually was a technical clerk and copywriter. And his first role in film was actually a title card designer. Oh. So it was like that page that comes up with the title of the movie mm-hmm. you did buy before the film starts. Yeah, yeah. He has a lot of notable films. I'll list them really quick because cool. we list them. Blackmail, which actually was like the first British talkie, so the first British movie that wasn't silent. Um, 39 Steps, The Lady Vanishes, foreign correspondent Rebecca,
0: oh, which yeah. we've talked mm-hmm. about that
2: book a lot. He did the first film adaptation. Suspicion, Shadow of a Doubt, Notorious, Lifeboat, Spellbound, Rear Window, Psycho. Rope, Strangers on a Train, Dial Ember, Murder, To Catch a Thief, The Trouble with Harry, Vertigo, North by Northwest, The Birds, and Marnie. What is interesting is his psychological thriller Vertigo is actually listed as the British Film Institute's greatest film ever made based on a poll of hundreds of film critics. Wow. Yeah. So apparently we need to watch that one because goodness gracious. And then as of 2021, nine of his films have been selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry, including his personal favorite one, which was Shadow of a Doubt. And he has received the BAFTA Fellowship, the AFI Life Achievement Award, and he was even knighted. Whoa. I didn't know
1: that. That's crazy.
2: Four months before his death, he was knighted because he's british so he's technically sir alfred hitchcock i guess but yeah just to show you like his films are highly regarded he was highly regarded as like a visionary you know like this is the dark side of that that there's more that went into that than people mm-hmm. are willing to talk about and i think that's important
1: <laughs> no i fully fully agree so now the dark side of mm-hmm. hitchcock and then after you'll maybe talk more specifically about the women yeah, yeah. One thing about him is that he very famously had very strange attitudes regarding females and women. And he seemed, I saw this quote where it says, he seemed simultaneously terrified and mesmerized by young blonde girls and was openly antagonistic towards womankind in general. And listen, like Hitchcock blondes, it's a thing. The movies, they're all beautiful icy blonde women. yeah they're all they're everywhere
2: (laughs) i think even in one of our first episodes we talked about the film trope and we talked about like the icy cool blonde who was the hitchcock blonde is the other Mm -hmm. name for it he literally created a stereotype of woman in his films by this like cold unattached beautiful blonde woman
1: (laughs) yeah exactly some of the names so there's june howard trip madeline Carroll, ingrid bergman grace kelly janet lee kim novak Eva, Marie Saint, and Tippi Hedren. They starred in 14 of Hitchcock's most notable films. And definitely, I think they got some of the worst of his abuse. And through their stories, I think you can really see who the man is. Apparently, like, he would think of him as his blondes. So he obviously felt very possessive towards them. I'm going to tell one story that I think really sets the tone for what happened here. It's horrifying. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about Tippi Hedren. Yeah. So the movie The Birds, it was a huge undertaking and apparently like one of the biggest, like hardest productions of his entire career. And part of that reason why was because he casted a complete novice, someone who was new to acting as the lead role, which was Tippi Hedren. And she was led by Hitchcock step by step through the entire script. And, but you know, like it was her first role ever. She did well, but... It was her first ever, so it's, like, very intense. But there's this infamous scene in which the main actress is savaged by birds, in a- and Tippy definitely experienced very legitimate trauma because before filming began, she had been assured that there'd be no live birds involved in the action. And so they basically said, or she thought, that there was going to be, like, mechanical ravens that were going to be the ones attach- attacking her, like they wouldn't actually be birds. But as the day approached... I guess Hitchcock realized that it wouldn't get like the realism and intensity that they were after unless they used real animals. Um, So I'm going to be quoting Tippi here. So as Hedren remembers as that she found out about the change of plans on the morning of the shoot, quote, it was brutal and ugly and relentless. She says of the five days she spent on the floor of the set while birds were thrown at her head, the crew members who have spoken about it over the years attest that they all Apparently, this is weird, like, Hitchcock included felt bad about the situation. Where it's like, okay, well, he didn't obviously feel that bad. Yeah. Um, In 1980, she said, very hard for Hitch at this time. He wouldn't come out of the office until we were absolutely ready to shoot because he couldn't stand to watch it. Okay. But now, in, I think, more recent years, she now will suggest that that was almost, like, his effort to dominate her and to
2: control her. I'm so confused on why they needed to use Like live birds i like get that
1: sure the the technology wasn't probably good enough that the live birds would like actually look as you know like i get it but like you're writing a horror book or horror movie about how a woman is suffering from birds attacking her and then you're like we're just gonna torture her attack her we're just for five Five days days. yeah like did you have to shoot it for five days Yeah, I, and it's somewhere later in my notes. I'm sure I'll get to it. But like, essentially that there was like a doctor on set that was like, you have to stop. Like, she had sores on her because they were throwing birds at her.
2: I should, there's no way that would be legal now, right? I hope not. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, granted, even still, I mean, you hear about stories of like directors, like maybe pushing well, actors true. very far in order to like get the best shot and I don't know, be the most artsy with it. Thank heavens for CG, I guess.
2: No. <laughs> yeah.
1: But to continue with how like he would dominate her. So in the publicity for the film, Hitchcock boasted about how he had invented Tippy. Insisting without really any explanation that her name from now on be held between inverted commas. So like Tippy. Even when Hedren spoke to America's Teenage Girls through the pages of seventeen magazine, Hitchcock was with her to explain to the interviewer how seriously he took building a career, and in this case the actress Um, Cast to play her.
2: I'm always a little suspicious when you hear he's like he's this renowned director and he chose an unknown starlet. And it's did you do that just so you could manipulate her? Because the power dynamic is so off. You know, Mm -hmm. like it just seems a little fishy. It's like you just wanted someone you could control.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And at first, she didn't necessarily complain. There's a quote of her saying he was not only my director, he was my drama coach, which was fabulous. Mm -hmm. But then the problem was that. Outside of the film set, he also was just inserting himself into her life. Um, he left food he wanted her to eat outside her front door, sent her a peculiar Valentine's message, apparently, and just peppered her with requests for her to join him for dinners, lunches, drinks. When alone, he would tell her dirty stories and jokes that she wasn't comfortable with. Um, she also alleges that one afternoon Hitchcock, I guess tr- quick trigger warning. Quote, threw himself on top of me and tried to kiss me in the back of a limo directly outside the hotel. Quote, it was an awful, awful moment I'll always wish I could erase from my memory, which is horrible. The situation even worsened more in the movie that she starred in Marnie. Actually, just side note, that originally the role was intended for Grace Kelly, but then it ended up going to Tippy, where hitchcock's unwelcome attention just continued like what's so crazy is that like cast and crew members apparently saw it but they were just like oh it's just an old man's crush like nothing
2: more not a big deal but it's not okay it was like you can't say that like it's not harmless obviously like the power dynamic is so bad that even like a harmless crush is so So harmful i know (laughs) It
1: went so far that like he forbade her from traveling to New York to receive a photo play award on The Tonight Show. And I don't necessarily if she knew why, but she now like later in her life interpreted it as just like this, you know, strategy of just controlling her and possessing her. They had a really ugly encounter between the two that apparently abruptly ended their professional and personal relationship where Hitchcock spoke very rarely about went on. But when he did, his comments were, like, really evasive. But then the most he re- revealed was that Hedron had crossed a red line and referred to my weight.
2: So, so what, She, like, called him
1: fat? And well, he, like, here's what it? I think is happening. I feel like that's just, like, an excuse, you know, where he's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, we don't really talk anymore. And I'm sure because she finally told him off of, You're controlling um, my life. And then he's like, oh. You know, she called me fat, so that's why we're not talking. Which, like, you know, like, whatever. Don't be mean to people about their bodies. But I don't feel like that's what actually happened. That's just my yeah. guess. I don't... But to continue on, another, you know, trigger warning is that her version of events alleges that he sexually assaulted her. Mm. And the first mention of the story was mentioned in the early 1980s in Donald Spotto's biography of Hitchcock. That was apparently a book that was created by Hitchcock's most faithful collaborators. So I don't know if he just mentioned that there was maybe an, some alleged thing. A further account was published by Donald's Photo in 2009, on which the movie The Girl that came out in oh. 2012 was based, enlarging the image of Hitchcock as a sadistic misogynist who deliberately humiliated Hedren to satisfy his lust and his own feelings of inadequacy. Then in 2016, Hedren published her story in her own words quote i've never gone into detail about this and i never will i'll simply say that he suddenly grabbed me and put his hands on me it was sexual it was perverse and it was ugly and i couldn't have been more shocked and more repulsed she actually published a memoir almost poetically right before the all the allegations came out about harvey weinstein Mm -hmm. and the whole me too movement really blew up as a response to that and i think that You know, it's poetic, not in a good way, of course, but I think it really just, I don't know, I hope that it made people who maybe weren't willing to believe her at first, maybe be like, oh, okay, because they had heard all these ways that he was like weird around women that it's okay, maybe that means that that's true. And I think that's something, another thing where like, for a long time, there's a lot of Hitchcock defenders, but it's like, why, you know, I mean, I always... I'll always believe a woman if she says something yeah. like sexually assaulted a woman. Always. But with this, especially it's like, why would she have fabricated this entire story and then also taken the trouble to keep it alive? She was mm-hmm. repeatedly like it's not like she like let it die. Like, no, she this was true.
2: But- now I like really wanna mention super quick is a lot of people will say, Oh, false allegations, false allegations, which has been thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like post me too, I feel like yeah, now that we're past true. Almost 10 years actually passed me, too. I feel like it's...
1: Yeah, whoa, that's so true.
2: Yeah, becoming more of a thing. And just something to keep in mind, I looked up the exact statistics because I wanted to make sure I got it right, but 95%, actually, I think more than that, I think it's 95.5% mm-hmm. of sexual assault reports are true. Ugh. So that means there's only 45 that are false. Mm-hmm. So if you're going just based off statistics it's um, better to yeah yeah it's they're more than likely they're telling the truth um and so that's just an important thing to remember yeah like what reason would she have to lie hitchcock's yeah, no, dead it was her memoir like what kind of legacy would you want to leave Mm-hmm. people don't want to be known as like a sexual assault victim like that's not fun for yeah. anybody
1: that's the other thing too Where it's like oh yeah the, no one wants to be remembered like nobody yeah. wants to give this like that's not is it's insane to me yeah. so yeah so
2: i think it's just it important around. to remember that like, regardless of what anyone believes or says that worked with him like she said that happened mm-hmm. and like yeah it it happened
1: <laughs> totally I loved this last little quote where, it quote, Hitchcock spent decades publicizing the pleasure he took in possessing and molding beautiful young women. The fact that many of those women had nothing but good things to say about him, and several of them continue to even maybe talk fondly to him, does nothing to mitigate the experience of those who felt preyed on. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just another good point that it's like, just because one person has a great story or doesn't have that feeling, it doesn't negate the fact that others had really horrible traumatic experiences and it doesn't make the validity questionable
2: you know? yeah no very very um, true
1: just to briefly acknowledge too for people who are watching on youtube that there was a bug that was in my face as you were giving the <laughs> allegation statistics so i'm just acknowledging
2: that so <laughs> you're if you're good. like
1: what was she doing there was a bug and it landed on my lip so
2: you're I had fine to right before that. that when you were talking i googled something so i'm sure my cool. face looked weird too so there cool. you go
1: anyway (laughs) there's more stories i could go into like i said i don't necessarily want to give the details of all of them but like june trip who had an allegation and she was maybe one of the very first ones that maybe brought that up in her 1960 memoir the glass ladder she described her treatment during the shoot for uh, i think it was the lodger yes the movie the lodger quote all i had to do she wrote was carry an iron tray of breakfast dishes up a long flight of stairs but by the time hitch was satisfied with the expression of Fear on my face. I must have made the trek 20 times. The tray seemed to grow heavier and heavier every passing minute. During that exhausting hour and a half, I felt a strange, sickening pain somewhere in the region of my appendix scar, but forebode a complainer, asked for a rest because delicate actresses are a bore and a nuisance. And in any case, the scene ended my work on the film. It also effectively ended her film career. A few months before the shoot, Trip had an appendectomy. The constant repetition of that stair scene caused a rupture and she was lucky to survive a second operation.
2: So- What's... <laughs> I'm so lost. Was it necessary for her to walk up and down the flight of stairs 20
1: times? Well, yeah, but he's probably like, oh, but I'm an artist. And then she'll actually have the right level of fear in her eyes. And that will make the scene that much more believable. But it's like, yeah, but you're like torturing people in the name of your art. Yeah. That's not good. Like,
2: Okay. Okay, Speaking from experience, I've art directed videos. Mind you, they were like 30 seconds to a minute. So not like a two hour film, but still. What was her walking up the stairs? Probably like thirty seconds.
1: Yeah, it does not take movie.
2: that many takes. I think the most we've ever done is like three. Yeah,
1: maybe and four. Also, it's all about creating the environment where if your actress is like, "Oh, my surgery, my scar from my surgery is hurting," that they can have the. thing I just thought that was such an interesting quote where she's talked about how the fact that I'm like, "Oh, it was really important for her as an actress to not be like delicate or a nuisance yeah. because that would." ruined my career and it's so sad that because of the injury she sustained that it did ruin her career That's so It's so sad it's so sad that um madeline carroll also had moments oh this was one where quote she said that at times it almost seemed as though he was trying to break his actresses as if they were a wild horse and poor carroll found herself handcuffed to co-star robert Donat for hours on end during the shoot being dragged through rivers ditches and waterfalls and so just like weird things that he would do john fontaine was in rebecca she thought okay this is disgusting and a trigger warning yeah so she like thought she was saying things when she noticed something like coming out of his fly you know his pant fly and but then it ended up being a champagne cork and like he just was like haha that's so funny i made her think that my penis was out when it Mm -hmm. was like just like gross lots of just like sexual harassment he had told a lot of i don't know sexual gross jokes and Maybe some of the people who was around thought it was funny, but it obviously made a lot of women uncomfortable. Anyways, those are just some of the allegations and some of the things and stories that the women who have worked with him have come out and said. There's more. There's so many more I could tell. But yeah. tell so I didn't want to dive too much into all that.
2: No, you're good. I think the end of this article, though, you found where it talks about like in his in the 60s and 70s, he was basically a living institution at Universal.
1: Yes. He mm-hmm. was the
2: third largest shareholder, the god of cinema. He had an oak paneled office mm-hmm. and it was like considered exactly what he deserved for like his long career in film. Yeah. And they basically said like people kept their mouth shut about anything he did because mm-hmm. why would you say anything? Like they even said Peggy Robinson ran that company and she knew what was going on, but she also knew that no one would benefit from the world knowing this, which... I so beg to argue on that, but
1: it's so dismissive and sad for the victims. Yeah,
2: so it was just like people were so loyal to him that they wouldn't hear any criticism. And they were just like, it was like such a thing of the time period. But I'm so sick and tired of hearing that. Oh, it was a different time. That sucked. That was a bad time then. Yeah. Where they say that like powerful men in the movie business had the license to indulge themselves as Mm -hmm. if the more power you get, it means you can be a crappier person. I feel like that's such a tricky philosophy to fall into where it should be the opposite, right? The more power you have, the more power you have to do good. So you should be a better
0: person (laughs)
2: You I think. don't know.
1: You think. Yeah, I think that's what's so sad. Yeah, realizing that, unfortunately, how many people can, I don't know, be convinced to stay silent, but like, because you don't even have to convince them. It's just that they have to be. I read this book. It's actually probably one of the best books I've ever read. I would 100% recommend it called Catch and Kill. It was a book by Ronan Farrow about basically like the process of breaking the story about Harvey Weinstein. Oh yes, it was an incredible book because he was one of the first journalists that like was working on this. And he talks about like, the fact that like all these women were coming and like how difficult it was to like, not difficult it was to get these women to come forward because like, of course, they would have good reason to be afraid. But like also really shows the ways that it's like they really tried to bury this story like very legitimately And how many people were bitch like, I don't know, okay with being on the wrong side of history, you know? Yeah. Because now like after everything came out, it's okay. You know, it doesn't look good on those people Mm -hmm. who are hiding the story. But yeah, I would definitely recommend that book because I think it just does a really great job at showing like the dark sides behind. I don't know. Because like sometimes you're like, but people are good, and why would they like let a horrible man do bad things? And it was just, I don't know, it's really disheartening, but it was a really, I think, impactful read. And I think it goes so much along with Hitchcock because I think it mirrors a lot of what happened with Harvey Weinstein. So yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Like I said, it's called Catch
2: and Kill. Very interesting. Thank mm-hmm. you. I wanted to bring up really quickly, there's a couple of women that were in his films that we didn't mention. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to list them. Huh? The most famous ones are, we talked about Ingrid Bergman. So Mm -hmm. she was in three of Hitchcock's films, Spellbound, Notorious, and Under Capricorn. Grace Kelly was in three as well. She starred in Dial M for Murder, Rear Window, and To Catch a Thief. Mm -hmm. Tippi Hedren was in The Birds and Marnie. We talked about her. Kim Novak was in Vertigo. Janet Leigh was in Psycho. And she's the one from the infamous shower scene. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There Iconic. you go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ava Marie Saint was in North by Northwest. Joan Fontaine, that we talked about, was in Rebecca. And she actually won an Academy Award for that role. Wow. Carol Lombard starred in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which was Hitchcock's only screwball comedy. So I don't think it's necessarily con- like, considered part of his like Hitchcock canon, but he yeah, did yeah, direct yeah. it. And then Teresa Wright appeared in Shadow of a Doubt and then Doris Day actually we mm. talked about in the same episode as Grace Kelly she played in the film The Man Who Knew Too Much mm. and actually sang the song Casa Rosa which is interesting so i actually looked into if any of those others had sexual abuse allegations or like any allegations against him of inappropriate behavior and the three that you brought up were the ones that have mm-hmm. publicly said that they had strained relationships I think it's important to realize that one thing that could be playing into this is Grace Kelly was already a very notable actor before she started with yeah. Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice that right after he did the movies with her is when he hired Tippi Hedren, who was a novice. Yeah. And I often wonder if it's because Grace Kelly didn't allow him to have the control over her yeah. that he would have preferred. Or
1: maybe he just probably knew he couldn't get away with it. You yeah. Know, that, like he realized he how could you try you know she's already a huge movie star
2: yes she like would go on to become the princess of monaco so i mean it's not really someone you want on your bad side yeah mm-hmm. and i think it was very similar with a couple of the others where they had enough of a prominence that he couldn't really do much about it and i think that could have led into him hiring more novice and mm-hmm. actors and order to do that but also a lot of them may just not have wanted to say anything yeah. Sadly, it could have been commonplace. They were like, "Oh, he's just like every other director I've worked with," so it come across as much to them. Or maybe he was like less fascinated, so he was less creepy. But I just saying that the few women who didn't speak doesn't disregard the women who did. It totally. doesn't makes sense because, no, like, we I don't totally agree. Yeah, and Grace Kelly was running Monaco; she had other things to think about than Alfred Hitchcock. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Um, something else I wanted to bring up, I found this really interesting article where it talked about um how his like dislike for women and they called it like his mommy issues mm-hmm. reflect back in his movies and it was so interesting. I'm not gonna go into like the whole thing, but it just talks about like how his female characters were treated within his movies and kind of shows his philosophy that he had with women, and I think it shows that like he catered women. <laughs>
1: He hated women. Yeah,
2: I think he really did. So they said like the chief skill of the Hitchcock heroine is to lie, inflict, and then suffer untold torments without ruffling her hem. If Ooh. you want some full-on misogyny, rampant women blaming and outright abuser apologism, look no further than Marnie. Marnie is a liar, thief, and all-around uptight, frigid piece of trouble who is set up, blackmailed into a forced marriage, and then trigger warning, like she's raped by her husband. But she tries to kill herself, and then he subjects her to a private investigation, like, uncovering her entire past. And it turns out that her entire pathology is the fault of another woman, her mother, who was a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And so they, like, it goes into this whole thing where she, like, ends up having sexual abuse in her past that they, like, uncover. And that's leading to mental illness that leads to, like, why she turns into who she is. And... (sighs) Yeah, and at the end,
0: she decides to
2: make it work with her abusive, stalking, blackmailing rapist husband. Okay, cool. And that's the movie. We talked about this when we talked about Euphoria. I don't remember exactly what episode we brought it up,
1: but we talked about the fact that, you know what, at this point, I'm suspicious. If Mm. a man is writing stories that are basically torturing women, I don't trust you. I don't yeah. think you have good intentions. I think that you like this a little bit too much. I think you like watching women suffer. And and you get the free pass because it's in the name of art and telling stories.
2: It's in a movie. So you it's can just cuz It's part of the story. It's part of and... the story.
1: I think you like it. I think you mm-hmm. like watching women suffer. It's really gross.
2: I agree. It's I really I did not awful. know that was
1: the plot of Marnie.
2: I actually saw another article I didn't have time for, but it talks about how Marnie, it was one of his last films, I think, or like towards the very end. It basically broke a lot of the Hitchcock spell for a lot of people because it was so horrid. It is Mm -hmm. such a horrible plot. It's not a thriller. It's basically like a story of a traumatized person becoming complacent in their trauma and staying in an abusive relationship. There's nothing fun about watching that. That's not a fun Halloween movie. That's like a Oh, like a biopic on someone's very sad life you know what i mean like why would yeah. you pick that so a lot of people argue that marnie is like the worst film he's ever made because it is i mean how could you argue with that That's yeah. gonna be, well, i would never watch that
1: going back to the youtube video i watched about psycho and like analyzing the birds
2: they were talking about the character of norman bates have you ever seen Psychology no knowing. but i remember sure we read that book of the science of women in horror and mm-hmm. it talked about like the mother in that and how like they blame the yes. mom for the they serial killer mom. Yes. that's like the whole thing is that it's not his fault it's his mom's fault
1: i know that character has mommy issues and when i was watching the youtube video about the fact that character has mommy issues i was like like i don't know if hitchcock is as critical as he needs to be on this is wrong for yeah. this character to hate his mom so much. That's not a good enough
2: reason. A lot of people mm-hmm. have like mommy issues without being a serial killer. You know? Yeah. I think that's a very justifiable thing to say. Like, I know a lot of people bring up serial killers and they're like, well, it's not their fault. They had a horrible childhood. And it's like, there are thousands of people who have horrible childhoods and don't go on killing rampages. Like, believe yeah, it or not, fine. you can't overcome your trauma I mean, without killing someone. <laughs> that's the idea <laughs> yeah they definitely yeah. bring up psycho as being the one that shows his hatred for women the absolute most because mm-hmm. it's just like the idea that like even the shower scene It's she's like a female thief and a liar she runs off with some money from her workplace she signs into Bates motel under a fake name and then she's punished because she gets so stabbed like- to death
1: yeah, like, the, the crux of his points are, like, women making mistakes and being silly and being wrong. You know, maybe not even just, like, being silly, but, like, actually maybe being, you know, liars and thieves or whatever. And yeah. it's, like, then being punished.
2: They getting deserve punished sh- die?
1: Yeah, like, getting their, ju- like, the world is, like, getting justice against women for their crimes.
2: Yeah. Interesting. And definitely, like, the serial killer, he blames his mother mm-hmm. instead of, like, himself for the himself. thing that he does. And, yeah. like weird things with that movie he like tries to get inside her clothes Mm. it's a whole kind of oedipus thing but it's weird that we call it oedipus because you remember in the story of oedipus he didn't know it was his mom
1: that's true whereas this
2: very much knew it was his mom um yeah and they even brought up i think it's important that you mentioned silly like getting mad at women for being silly Mm -hmm. um they did bring up in this article as well the movie rear window and the fact, so first off, the basically the plot of that movie is that like this guy has an injury and so he's watching out his window at all of his neighbors. And it's really beautifully shot, I have to say. <laughs> it's a really cool yeah. movie. But he sees this like guy kill his wife and it's because his wife was like a shrew. Like she's always yelling and nagging at him. Mm. And so he like chops her up and then sends her out in like different suitcases And so it's like showing, oh, well, if you're mean to your husband, he'll kill you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like her punishment. But then also the other one is like the girlfriend, Lisa. Mm -hmm. She's like this glittering socialite. And then throughout the course of the movie, he basically convinces her to go and become like an outdoors person with him. And then after he falls asleep, she like secretly reads a fashion magazine. You know, so it's like kind of getting mad at her for being silly, being like she should be more interested in his interests and he's an adventure photographer. And if she wants to be with him, then that's what she has to do. And yeah, so it's just it definitely just shows like even tiny little things like that, which I think are very common in old movies, to be fair. But like Mm -hmm. just important to realize that like he really had a very low opinion of women and I think it reflects that he definitely had some mommy issues of his own. Yeah. Probably needed to work some through some things in therapy. Probably.
1: He didn't. Yeah, I was gonna say couple that with like how the women are portrayed and then also with the way he just treated the actresses. Like life imitates art. Yes. And so definitely case in point.
2: Weird dude. Oof, so true. Okay, lastly, on a happy, happy note, we're going to talk about two women who were overshadowed by Hitchcock in like fame, even though they were very much so part of the reason why he got his success, which these are the happy ones to talk about. because Yay! (laughs) Like,
1: they're awesome. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and they contributed a lot to that. So the Mm -hmm. first one is Joan Harrison. She's actually a screenwriter, and she was the first female screenwriter to be nominated for the Best Original Screenplay Oscar when the category was introduced, which is very cool. And then she was the first screenwriter to receive two Academy Award nominations in the same year in separate categories Mm -hmm. for the two screenplay films, Foreign Correspondent and Rebecca, that were both directed by Alfred Hitchcock. He hired her when she was like straight out of school, I think. But something I thought was cool is Hedda Hopper, who we have an episode on, she actually described Joan Harrison in 1945 as a golden haired ball of fire. So I think that shows you like who this woman was. She was really beautiful. They often talked about how she was such a glamorous female producer. She had dimples and a 24 inch waist, which why was it a thing to know what size everyone's waist was back then?
1: I don't know, but that yeah
2: <laughs> it comes everywhere. But she spent nearly a decade working alongside Alfred Hitchcock, first as his secretary assistant and then as a valued screenwriter. So he sent out a newspaper advert that requested a young lady for a producer of films. Why did it have to be a young lady?
1: Oh, maybe he was being really progressive and wanted <laughs> a woman. Just kidding. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> In my dreamland.
2: um, She was like pretty... I don't want to say, like, she was crafty in how she got the job. Um, She pretended her sister was in labor and that she needed to get back to the hospital, so she bumped herself up the queue and was able to be seen before the position is filled, which maybe... Take notes. Yeah, <laughs> Hot tip. It's hard, it's hard getting a job out here. <laughs> yeah. Um, Attracted by both her good looks and her macabre interest in true crime, her uncle was actually a part in charge of assigning cases at police precinct so like Mm -hmm. she was pretty fascinated he offered her job and however she was not very interested in being a secretary and so that could have meant that she would have been fired but then he realized that she had like a keen sense of story and was like oh you'll be my protege," and brought her in to be like his sounding board and -hmm. like help and that eventually led to her screenwriting career it doesn't mean that she was without abuse him okay i don't have a lot of it but i know that he was very infatuated with her because she was so pretty Mm -hmm. and that there was this instance where he read the toilet scene in james joyce's ulysses which i'm not familiar with but he like read it to her and it was like to embarrass her and this was the only time that she said she let the director get the better of her because she like lost Mm -hmm. her composure
1: but that's sad because it then i mean With her saying that was the only time that I lost my composure probably shows there were a lot of times that she had to really work to maintain it, which means he's probably doing a lot of things to try and get a rise out of
2: her. I mean, a decade. That's a long time to work with someone from everything we've heard about him. Mm -hmm. And like, sadly, but like, luckily for her, I think with the other young blonde stars, it probably diverted some of his attention. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. so focused on her. But she obviously still had to bear the burden of that. She would go on to like work on a lot of films with a lot of different directors so like she didn't have a pretty prominent career then later she ended up working in television with hitchcock because he oh, pre- cool. produced a tv series called alfred hitchcock presents but there's actually a biography on her by christina lane called phantom lady hollywood producer joan harrison the forgotten oh. woman behind hitchcock so that, that was published in 2020 and you can check that out if you want to learn more about her. Um, the other one I wanted to mention was actually his wife.
1: Oh, cool. It's crazy
2: that we talk about all these sexual assault allegations. <laughs> yes, and he was, was married. married. His wife was actually Alma Reville. And one thing that I thought was cool when it talked about Joan Harrison, I mentioned that she often made up the triangle that was Hitchcock's, like, power dynamic. Where mm-hmm. it was him and then his wife and Joan Harrison So, they were this like dynamic trio that I think we could say was the basis of his success on his films. His wife, Alma, she also was a screenwriter and film editor. And so she collaborated on the scripts, including Shadow of a Doubt, Suspicion, The Lady Vanishes, as well as scripts for other directors as well. So, she wasn't just working for him, but they did work together very closely. I didn't have enough time to find a ton on, like, their relationship. I don't know. Like, she never said anything, I think, like, directly mm-hmm. about him. I mean, it's your husband that you worked really closely with throughout your entire
1: marriage career. and Career. Like, yeah,
2: that would be really hard to then come out and be like,
1: he was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, I won't criticize that at all.
2: Yeah. So, she did work on preparing and adapting scripts for like rebecca for co- correspondent suspicion saboteur as well as working with joan harrison very closely on a lot of those That's they cool. would work on a lot of the scripts at hitchcock's home in bel-air because he preferred writing in a comfortable intimate environment rather than in the office why does that make me feel suspicious <laughs> like i would probably prefer writing at home too but just the fact that he like yeah brought that's fair. his screenwriters out to his home and i'm like
1: yeah couple it with everything and it's not great
2: yeah she also had a really keen ear for dialogue and like <laughs> she had an editor's sharp eye for scrutinizing a film's final version so they were able to find like tiny little flaws that would have escaped the director mm. of the crew the first time apparently janet lay like swallowed after her character's fatal encounter in psycho So they had to take that out because she was supposed to be dead. Dead people don't swallow.
1: swallow. Interesting.
2: Yeah. And then one other thing to say about her is Charles Champlin, who is one of Hitchcock's closest collaborators, said the Hitchcock touch had four hands and two were Alma's. So she's often regarded as like the one of the greatest forgotten filmmakers because she's so obscured by like, her husband's hard husband. shadow. Well, in so many ways, like his reputation just preceded them. And yet she was such a vital part. When Hitchcock did accept the AFI Life Achievement Award, he said he wanted to mention, this is sweet. Maybe this is the sweetest thing he ever did. We'll give him this one moment. <laughs> but he said when he accepted that award, he wanted to mention four people who have given me the most affection, appreciation, and encouragement and constant collaboration. The first of the four is a film editor, the second is a script writer, the third is the mother of my daughter Pat. And the fourth is as fine a cook as ever performed miracles in a domestic kitchen. And their names are Alma Reville. Okay, that
1: okay. Well, I'm glad that he publicly was willing to give credit where credit was very much changed.
2: Yes. So we have mm-hmm. one kind moment in this episode <laughs> of Hitchcock. Yes which I guess is a wonderful way to end. But yeah, like I think there's probably so much more about Alma that we don't even know. Mm -hmm. She is being like more recognized now. Um, And you can look up like her filmography. It's a very long, it goes way beyond Hitchcock. She definitely was a prominent part of filmmaking at that time, regardless of the fact that she didn't get as much.
1: Get the flowers she deserved.
2: Yeah, It's just, She deserved so much more. So it's really such a bummer. But I think, yeah, it's just cool to recognize, like, the people that did help him build his career the way it was. And it very prominently was two women. Yeah. That's so so cool. Yeah. But that's Omar Ravel and Joan Harrison.
1: Amazing. Well, that's why I love doing this podcast is because there's always women behind the scenes that are just in, yeah, really big shadows. And it's nice when we can finally, like, pull back that curtain and see them. So we... Way to end on a happier note. I'm glad you found that.
2: (laughs) Me too. One little diamond in the rough. Absolutely. But yeah, this episode is in no way to dissuade you from watching Alfred Hitchcock films. Um, I think there's a lot to learn about like filmography, directing, screenplay writing, no like suspense and horror within them. I think it's just to remember what was behind it. Like if you watch a woman Mm -hmm. getting tortured by birds, go, holy crap yeah like (laughs) like that shouldn't have happened (laughs) Mm -hmm. and also like learn from it if you are like a part of these art forms to make sure that we like break the cycle we don't need any more hitchcocks and weinsteins you know like we need people that are willing to to stand up for their actors and make sure that it's like a safe place where you're not gonna Die because you break open your stitches walking up a flight of stairs.
1: That's a trap. Like that's yeah. Or feel threatened
2: by your boss, like leaving gifts on your doorstep. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it just awareness so it doesn't happen again. I
1: fully agree, and I think I don't know. Just when people are like lauded as like these amazing, like visionary, great people, it just I'm like, let's just have the whole picture. Like we can recognize the amazing things that people did for their art form, but who were they really? And yeah, yeah i don't know no get the whole picture don't i don't know
2: it's that whole whole argument of separating the art and the artist that
1: we talk to be honest i don't know if there will ever be an answer yeah Yeah, i I don't know if there ever will be i know i guess there's another episode of our more than amused murder mystery month Um, thanks for joining us and we have we have two more episodes actually coming out in relation to spooky month very excited about them to continue on our Halloween theme month if you're new here to watching us on YouTube hello hi hi keep hanging out with us if you have been a long time auditory listener (laughs) I don't know or just a listener and you prefer long-form content on YouTube we're on there now we're gonna be doing this every week so you can come say hi follow us on Instagram leave us a review and we'll be back next week
0: see you next time Bye. Bye. bye Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.